sai come nessuno è riuscito mai All right, welcome back to Mon Man. I am Yanata Blue here this week with Michael Darling. I'm always here this week, aren't I? Well, hopefully. And we're joined this week by Andrew Valdez. All right, well, Andrew, well, glad to have you on the show this week. We do have to start off with a little bit of an update on some Mon news. We go to Michael Darling in the newsroom. We mentioned Yuri Geller uh, in the previous episode, and in the time between when we recorded that episode and when it was released, Yuri Geller did something amazing. He wrote an open letter to British Prime Minister Theresa May, who as of this uh, recording is still the Prime Minister of England, just for historical sake I'm saying that. He told her basically, years ago I had you touch Winston Churchill's spoons, and so now I'm going to use that psychic energy to make it so that I will control you to not let Brexit happen. I'm pulling this from Reuters right now. This is just incredible. He wants Britons to join him in twice daily bursts of telepathy directed at the conservative leader in the hopes of inspiring her to call a second Brexit reverend. So that's what's up with Yuri Geller these days when he's not suing Pokemon. He is trying to influence Brexit by using spoons and telepathy. God bless that nut job. Wait, Alleged guy, nut job. This guy tried to sue Pokemon? <laughs> Oh yeah, he yeah. he claims to be the inspiration for Kadabra. Uh, come on. I feel like Carlton and like the Fortnite dudes have more of like a legal claim. Than this guy. <laughs> and even they lost. And even they lost. Yeah. I know, but this guy's like, yeah, I fuck with spoons. So, <laughs> well, this has yeah. been going on since like '99 or something. Like, yeah, I do respect the the grip, but not like the grip, but like the laziness of it all. Where it's like he's not gonna actually like go anywhere or do anything. He's just like, I'm just gonna like telepathize from my house like you guys should too <laughs> and like don't trust me this will work so I, I appreciate the fact that you just dropped the word grip there just makes me think of Matthew Berry on a uh, community as the grip professor oh yes. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's are, lying. This is grifting. I am. We were <laughs> recording this before what we do in the Shadows premieres, and I'm so looking forward to seeing him on that because he's one of my favorite actors, like favorite comedic actors. I will say, and I challenge anybody to at me on Twitter with your, you know, your refutes to this. But where, Matt, they, where can they at you? Uh, at y underscore baloo. That's y is in the interrogative. W h y underscore baloo. B a double l double o. Uh, tell me if you can think of a better entrance for a comedic character than Matthew Barry showing up in the IT crowd in the second series mm. when he just walks in on his own father's funeral, looks around the room, and then dramatically says, Father! Uh, who would be our like, go-to magician to like, stop a major U.S. political <laughs> catastrophe? Like, Who are we calling? Who's our dude? Uh, we're calling Mark Ruffalo from Now You See Me. Oh, we're going there. <laughs> uh, wow, we're going to go there. Now. All right, so, so let's get into today the... is Andrew Valdez. Valdez, please tell us a little bit about your Pokemon and or magic experience. Magic, very little. Uh, don't have much there, but Pokemon, I'm, I'm very much staying like my wheelhouse is that generation one kind of early youth area. Mm -hmm. I didn't really dabble too far outside that, but that was my real sweet spot. But kind of a contentious relationship with Pokemon going all the way back. Uh, so you see, when the when the original cartridges came out, you had the hmm. red and the blue. Hmm. My family only bought one; they bought <gasps> red. Ooh. And I am the oldest of four boys. <laughs> oh no! So for a minute there, uh, the struggle was real, having to share one Pokemon cartridge between us. They eventually got a second one, so we had red and blue. We convinced them; <laughs> it took a lot of convincing, uh, a lot of fights in the backseat of the car on drives. Mm -hmm. um, 
So finally, like, look, we gotta get a second one of these things. Like, they want to shut up. So we got a second one. A second Game Boy or just a we second We had two part? Game Boys already. Okay, yeah. all right, good. So you could trade those. Yeah, we, <laughs> we could trade too. Uh, but it never quite got to that point because we would always like low-key like fight each other and like get into <laughs> arguments. Because again, we had still two Game Boys, two copies, four of us still. The youngest one didn't really play, so it was really like three going for two. Shout out to Aaron Valdez. Aaron, Aaron was like, <laughs> much love. He was still very much young. He was like three or four. How many times did you overwrite each other's saves? So it never quite got like full okay. Scorched Earth okay. policy. Like that, we would like subtly just like almost like death by a thousand paper cuts, like fuck with each other's game. So it's like going in there and like releasing a Pokemon or like going in like the other's <laughs> game and like changing the names of like your top six. So it's like, I am a dumb idiot, like spelled out like down below, like just like little things like that, like ditching all like your super Pokeballs, like dropping shit off. Like, so we would do like sneak in and like try and oh sabotage God. each other's game and like piss the other off, but like to the point where if it came to like complain or like snitch to mom and dad they wouldn't know what the fuck you were talking about because like he, he went and he released my my clefairy and he did it and they're like what are you talking about like go away like please so it was like really kind of like maniacal like that so the valdez brothers were twitch plays pokemon before twitch in a way yes <laughs> we really kind of had to like crowdsource and co-opt each other's games and then finally i think we got yellow down the line i think one of the younger one kind of lost interest too um so there was a game boy experience Played, dabbled in the cards for a bit. I have like the plastic sleeves with like my holographic boys in there that nice. I've been safe keeping somewhere in my parents' house. So hmm. just waiting for those things to continue to appreciate. And uh, you know, Simone will be in college soon. <laughs> so casually, daughter. casually yes. sitting on a holographic Charizard card, war criminal in his uh, in his sleeve somewhere. But <laughs> yeah. I like the competitive spirit that you're bringing to the table. Oh man. Oh. I think that Michael Darling has been starving for some real competition here. Would you like to face off against uh, my co-host here in a game of Mon Mom? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So this week, the show will be covering three families of Pokemon. We'll be going through the Machop line, the Bellsprout line, and the Tentacruel line. So my mom will be describing one of the Pokemon from these three families today for our guests to determine which one she's speaking about. Here we go, fellas. I will describe this Pokemon as a peculiar pair, and I will name it Bonbon. Mm. A peculiar pair, okay. I'm gonna change it up a little bit this week. What? Mr. Darling, if you would like to go first and give our guest the option of playing defensively or offensively. All right, uh, first I'm gonna play the heel here, and can you show me what the scoreboard is? The scoreboard, uh, per, I was giving our guest co-hosts more credit than they deserved. The scoreboard officially stands as of this recording at four to none. Mr. Darling stands uncontested on that scoreboard. Woo! Wow. Woo! So I'm hoping that Mr. Valdez is showing up today with a magic bullet to earn some props for the guest third chair. Uh, but Mr. Darling, how would you like to defend your championship today? Weeping Bell. Mr. Valdez, do you have a contrary guess? See, I got the peculiar pair thing threw me off because I was thinking pairs and two. So I was like, <laughs> who the hell is coming in pairs here? I thought Tentacool for a second because like the two orbs. I was mm -hmm. like, those could be peculiar. But then my mind kind of like like calibrated itself and realized she was talking about the fruit pair. So uh, Weeping Bell is good. I have to go Victory Bell. Just more, it's more of a pear shape naturally. So... I'm really hoping that's what we're going off of, and that's going to be the guess. I looked to a full moon for a magic bullet to slay a werewolf, 
and the werewolf still howls. Michael Darling advances the scoreboard five to none. Ah. Well, I'm the Ric Flair of this podcast. Well, Mr. Darling, if you'd like to take your victory lap and cue us up for our first Mon of the Week, please. So, our next opponent is Machop. It is a fighting type, and you first encounter this in the Rock Tunnel. And if you remember from Red, Blue, and Yellow, you hated the Rock Tunnel. It was too long, it was too dark, and it was just stupid. So stupid. It was so much time wasted. I mean, I recall it wasn't as full of Zubat, like that's, and that's also where you got like a few useful Rock Pokemon. So, I hated it less than Diglett's Cave. So, I thought that last episode's Pokemon, you know, we discussed some beta names like Blaze, Pocus, and Pocus mm. for the previous run of uh, Pokemon, and I thought that that was just the pits in terms of beta names that we managed to avoid. Nope, it gets worse, folks. We are talking about a Pokemon today, Machop, our first up on the line. This is the bad name day. Machop's <laughs> original name was supposed to be Karate. With a hyphen Come and T double E. Come on. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Which this wasn't like bad translation, or this is like this the, is the demo name. I, the, I really karate. Karate is so good because I feel like there's so many clever names and like puns and portmanteaus in the Poke Pokemon universe. Like it's cool. Like they hit these marks so many times, but some of them are just like man. Like y'all can just like make up a name here. It's cool. Like no one's gonna get mad at you guys if you just <laughs> mail it in on one. But I'm glad like some quality control came through. And yeah. he's like, let's settle down here, guys. And I just yeah. can't help but think that the reason why they went away from that name is because that somebody said, listen, we're spelling T with two E's yeah. and it's not wearing a T-shirt. No <laughs> and Pokemon wearing clothes, we've touched on like Pokemon like augmentations, mm. like the fact that Blastoise gets guns is already really weird. Yeah. We'll get to this more with the Machoke, but mm -hmm. I want to point out this is the first humanoid Pokemon we're dealing mm -hmm. with. There's yes. no animal or in the weird case of Clefairy and Jigglypuff, like just a general kind of, it looks fairy-ish, could be out there in nature, whereas yeah. this is the first one that is distinctly humanoid. Very much humanoid. But we did touch on this last episode with Poliwhirl and Poliwrath, Pokemon growing clothing? is a very baffling and discomforting phenomenon. And I'm glad they avoided this Pokemon, this particular member of the family growing clothing, uh, and not putting him in a lame karate taekwondo t-shirt oh, to really? try to justify it. <laughs> oh, well, I'm thinking like fat kid in swimming pool, like double X on. When you get to Gen 5, there are two horrible fighting type Pokemon called Sock and Throw. We'll get to them in a couple years, but they kind of look like Bert and Ernie, but they look like they're wearing geese. And I oh, like Gen 5, but I hate those two because they look like they're wearing clothes. There's no justification for, like, oh, well, they have uh, fur that looks white and has a little black ribbon around the center. No, it's just like they're wearing geese, and I just can't stand that. I mean, I'm looking at Machop, and I almost do kind of wish that he had a t-shirt because the weird, like, pectoral like, formings <laughs> and, like, ridgelines kind of make it look like old man-like titties. Like, <laughs> just, like, the sagging pecs and, like, the kind of wrinkles that come underneath that. Like, it's it's a little bit disturbing for, like, what's supposed to be, like, a child-like-ish Pokemon. See, it's funny to me that you went old man because I went little child with it. I immediately Ooh. think of, like, the little kid from that viral video that's like, Linda, you're not listening. Yes. You're not listening, Linda, Linda. And I'm just like... 
I'll put a link to that in the show notes too. This is going to be the loaded show notes episode. Good Lord, oh. Machop, unlike that little kid who was struggling to keep his own mom in line, is able to lift many times its own body weight. Which this is a, one of the more vague uh, Pokedex boasts that we've dealt with recently. Not like uh, Arcanine being able to run. 6,200 miles in 24 hours, very specific. This one just says many times its own body weight. So I'm still willing to put money that at 40 pounds, it's probably able to lift my co-host Michael Darling and throw him at least throw. 15 yards. How would I become the Not just to lift, but to throw is a whole other thing. That's... I think, well, throw, well, I think like, you know, I took, you know, you do shot, but you do give it like a spin, you get yeah. like a whirl. Like, I think you could get Darling like 15 well, yards. In the Pokemon Stadium Pokedex, it says that it can throw 100 adults. And then the entry for Pokemon Diamond says that it hefts a Graveler repeatedly to strengthen its entire body. Okay. Graveler weighs around 230 pounds. I weigh less than that. Ergo, I would get thrown by my chop. <laughs> I would be one of those hundred. Throw me, daddy. <laughs> yeah, it's and awesome I would. I uh, would actually pay money to go down to a stadium and watch a Machop throw adults. Like, I think grab a couple beers, that's a fun afternoon. We're talking like drunk tossing, he's just like picking up dudes by like the scruff of like the neck and the pants and like tossing them out like that. Or are we talking like overhand? I want to know like the technique that I, like a Machop would use to throw someone. Like, are we talking soccer throw? Are we talking. I'm, pict I'm picturing that scene at the beginning of Wolf of Wall Street where it's the little people being tossed, and instead of this, it's the little Pokemon tossing you. Mm. Huh. So. In Soviet Russia, Pokemon toss you. Some people might be into that. You say you can throw a hundred adults. Like, I want to know. Like, are we talking like at once? I just really am into like the, the logistics and the semantics of this. Because what if it's like a finite amount of adults that he can throw? What if he can only throw a hundred? And like he's done, like his power's gone, or like dude just like drops dead or disintegrates. Like that was his hundred man. Like that's it. That's See, it. That's I'm imagining gets. Pokemon Animal Control. Like they're watching this and they're just keeping count. They're like, they're like oh, wait a minute, that was one hundred and one. What do we do? Shoot it down. This is a dude at control towers. Or maybe it's like our quote unquote president's theory about how human energy works. You're a battery, you have a certain amount of people oh, you can throw in your life and then you're done. Oh, <laughs> you oh. either evolve or die after That's, you've thrown your hundred adults. That really gives a new meaning to the presidential fitness program. It does. I kind of, one of the rare things about him that I do appreciate is just like the commitment to the bit of just being as unhealthy and unfit as possible and well, just be like, no, 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 no. You guys aren't seen it right. Like, this whole fitness thing is a scam, you see? He eats fast food because he knows what's in it. Which, that's a... Uh, we yeah. don't have time to unpack that we one. Don't. But He just, eats fast food and way too much sugar. I know. Whenever Clearly. people talk Clearly. about stuff, I just picture that scene from The Simpsons where Mr. Burns is getting his health checkup. <laughs> and the doctors describe it that he has, like, every known... Yeah. Three Stooges syndrome. Yeah, this Three Stooges syndrome, but they can't all get through. I'm just picturing... I'm just thinking that he reminds me of every single eight-year-old that has ever annoyed me in like my limited exposure as a Sunday school assistant teacher <laughs> as like that hyperactive kid that you just like are dreading having to deal with. To be clear, are we talking about yeah, Machop, Machop or, or Trump? Trump here? Both. <laughs> no, no, Machop definitely gives off like the annoying little kid vibe. I think I was like reading some bootleg description of Pokemon, I forgot, I was, I don't, a random website, but it's talking about like Machop's favorite thing to do is like to run into a battle and like punch its opponent. <laughs> I was like, that's really aggressive for a Pokemon. Normally, I kind of like that. I just they like have this to be Machop running down the street and just being like, yeah, take that, Paris. He's coming out the ball and just like squaring up on dudes and they're not ready for it, which is amazing. But I, I kind of appreciate that energy where he's just ready to square up at any point. He's one of the rare Pokemon that just like strips slap a dude. Like, <laughs> 
no no vines, no anything necessary, but it does get off like hyperactive child vibes. Like y'all ever seen the slap? I don't think anyone saw the slap. <laughs> no one but saw we the know slap. The we slap. know the slap. Like NBC classic, the it's slap. That, it's that kid from the slap that's like swinging the bat, the titular <laughs> slappy who is out of control. A friend of mine on Twitter, I don't know who, added the phrase titular slappy to the uh, Wikipedia article. And then when some Wikipedia editor <laughs> removed it because it was too silly, my buddy Bergo put it back in there. And it's still there. As of this so recording, right now? it still says that the actor who played the kid is, quote, the titular slappy. So because this is the Pokemon podcast that often becomes about everything but Pokemon, I need to pause the Pokemon discussion to litigate the slap. Let's do it, um, please. Welcome to Slap Court. My, in, my introduction, my, my position on the slap is that Zachary Kinto, well, clearly... Let's talk about the cast for a moment, because you mentioned Zachary Kinto. But also, this thing had Thandie Newton, the savior of Westworld, mm -hmm. Peter Skarsgård, yeah. Brian fucking Cox. We've mm -hmm. discussed uh, Kinto playing the slappist. Hang on, I and need to point out also, Uma Thurman clearly rehearsing right. for her role in Nymphomaniac. <laughs> like, this was such a precursor to her, like, crying pre-divorcee wife catching her husband fucking some random nympho. Just in the full energy of it. She was exploring that depth already. God bless the slap. It's an amazing piece of work. Everything that from- the, none of us have ever seen. That none of us have ever seen, but like, that's like the most mind-blowingly amazing thing about it. It's like, it's this thing that's like lived on in like cult status yeah. for like how bad it is, but really all you get is like, Key art, which is amazing. The oh key my art's God. There's a piece of key art. We are now going to do that thing where just we describe know, a sorry. photo <laughs> on a podcast. Key art's not but the Google like the slap key art or the slap NBC key art, and one of the pieces is all of the cast members standing like against this green, leafy, viney background. And there's so many funny things happening in terms of the acting choices and the Photoshop. Like Lucas Hedges, who is also in this cast. His head is literally emerging from a hedge. Everyone is very committed to their respective bits. Except Zachary Kinzo literally walks around looking like he wants to slap everyone. Like bless his heart. Bless his heart. He committed. Like, yeah. He's like, I am. Um, I'm gonna get in that headspace. Yeah, I'm in not, that I'm, in that photo, Kinto looks like he's ready to go again with the kid. Whereas <laughs> Peter Skarsgård is just holding back, like, buddy, come on. He's and like, they slap slap and they up. gave him like the PTSD, like. I'm clearly troubled buzz cut from taxi driver yeah, haircut yes, yeah. for that. Like to well, they really had to drive home just how awful everyone was just to yeah. make sure that like when you're watching it, if just you did watch it, you're like, oh yeah, that dude is the kind of guy that would slap an eight-year-old and like that kid's kind of the eight-year-old that should get slapped. Alright, so let's just get into the litigation of this. I wanna say that it would be at best debatable to defend Zach Kinto. If he hadn't clearly reared back and thrown some hip into it like a good Tiger Woods swing, like he nailed that kid. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> there is no defense. It wasn't a passion thing. It was like, okay, I'm gonna load up here. I, I mean, I, yeah, you can't defend it. Going on very little, not having a show, but like you watch the trailer and they show him really like laying into that kid. I really Just, appreciate the trailer shows you the slap. They know yes. what people are coming for and they're like, we're gonna give it to you in the we'll trailer. We'll just give it to you now. We, we don't expect you to stay long. We'll give you what you want. <laughs> you can decide if you want to come back later or not. This trailer Here. is a minute and 40 seconds long. We got 10 seconds to hook you. Here's the sizzle reel. And like eight of those seconds is like slapping. <laughs> <laughs> slap build up and then slap payoff. It's he is I will not <laughs> defend uh, him slapping the child. I think that he was in the wrong in this case. However, Ooh. 
I will watch a show called The Slap where Zachary Quinto just goes around the world slapping people. Like, it's just a case of the week where he finds somebody who he has to slap. Like, there's some reason for it, and he's just like, all right, got to build to that slap, got to practice, got to be ready. What do we call this? The Slap. The Slap. The Slapping. I want to call him the Slappist. (laughs) The Slappist. (laughs) Slap. Shouts to the mentalist. (laughs) Uh, It's a shame that this show came out in 2015, at the height of like the talkback shows when those were really coming out, and we never got a slap talkback oh, with like Hardwick and like Nicole hey. Yvette Brown. Well, like, we're in, the oh, well, we're here by the way. Fuck Hardwick. Fuck Hardwick. Yes, but it was like at the height of his yeah. Hardwickiness and like being fucking everywhere. God, I would watch Talking Slap. But I would watch Talking Slap. I want to like, be on Talking Slap. Can we host Talking Slap? We can easily. You guys have a podcast. Like this is. You're listening to Talking Slap, a Pokemon podcast. Let me shift us to a comedic film, which is to say that if the Pokemon folks had gone with putting Machop into a t-shirt to match the Karate pun name. Oh, we're back to this. Yeah, we're back to this. I'm going to circle us back. I'm going to pull us out of it. I'm going to spiral us out. We're out of the slap spiral. We're we're two Um, hours into slap talk. Because I have to find a a way to to find my celebrity spirit animal of the episode. Uh, This this episode's spirit animal is brought to you by Napoleon Dynamite. If you put Machop in a little t-shirt and then also give him an American flag bandana, he becomes Diedrich Bader. From fucking Napoleon Dynamite. And okay. he's just, I think fucking Napoleon Dynamite was a porn parody. Well, it's also the fact that, like, the Pokedex claims that these guys teach themselves martial arts or somehow learn martial arts in nature, which is like, who's teaching these Pokemon martial arts in nature? Oh, well, it's which, like, why do cats shit in a box? Because, we, because they see other cats shit in a box. Hmm. So then they teach that knowledge to each other, basically. So where did this Pokemon, where did the first Pokemon incept? You know, kung fu. Mm. Some crazy guy who's like, hey, that Pokemon looks like a child. I want to teach him kung fu. Ugh. It's not like that. <laughs> well, like, it's not you... slappy either. I guess, like, how do these Pokemon learn anything or pick up anything? Is it instinctual? Mm. Like, his name is Machop. Yeah, we touched on that with Meowth, that Meowth, through sheer force of self-will, taught himself English, and that's how he used his XP cap, which, again, I'm going to touch on that. That's a very depressing way to identify the fact that we're all limited beings and we can only learn so much. Meowth was only able to learn English, and then that's it. He can't learn anything else. Uh, but yeah, this Pokemon is able to teach itself martial arts. Um, but that still feels like another Pokemon that's at the bar next to his bro, Arcanine. <laughs> While Arcanine's bragging about how fast he can run, Machop is like, yeah, and I know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Cool, huh? The, the Chop Bros are, are the definitely... Most resemblance to like the do you even lift bro types that we see yep. out there, the UFC bros that we see out there, and they, they resemble... only get worse. <laughs> yes, they, they only get, get there. worse. Let's get there, but... yeah. darling. Do you want to cue us up for well, it getting worse? Just have a quick bit of information about like why this Pokemon is kind of dinosaur-y. Uh, it's potentially inspired by the extinct Synapsid, which is a proto mammal, uh, Mosh Chop. I'll repeat that, Mosh Chop, uh, which has not dissimilar facial features, like. I don't know how best to describe it other than look it up, but it looks kind of like a blob with kind of reptilian, kind of mammalian facial features. It's very much one of those in-between evolutionary stages that existed thousands of millions years ago. One last tidbit, though. The name is Machop, but in his main photo, he's clearly punching, so... Yeah. There's no chopping happening. There's no chopping happening. 
and then just to bring it back to the slap because it's amazing. Uh, isn't Again, the top just never a downward it. motion it's slap? It's a downward motion, but I feel like this Pokemon learns the move double slap. Ooh. No, I looked no. it up. No, because people were bringing this up on Twitter when I mentioned oh, the bummer. slap and Pokemon and how these two connect. Only the fairies learn it, don't they? I have to look up who exactly learns it, but I know like the Jigglypuff line, they're really associated with it. Yeah. Slap on. I feel yeah. like Jigglypuff and Clefairy are the ones I associate with that. So when they make Detective Pikachu 2, we want Jigglypuff to be voiced by Zachary Quinto. Oh my god, that's almost a given. The okay. double slap. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you already robbed us of DeVito as Pikachu. Please give us Quinto as All right. slap as Jigglypuff. <laughs> All right, tell me about our weight belt lifting bro Machoke. Oh, Machoke me daddy. What can I say about this guy? Uh, well, we've talked about Pokemon wearing clothes and for some reason it's wearing a belt. And I'm not saying like, it looks like it's wearing a belt. Literally, according to the Pokedexes, it's wearing a belt that's a restraint uh, that keeps its power in check to the point where if it encounters an enemy that's truly mighty, uh, this is from the Pokemon Sun Pokedex, uh, this Pokemon removes the power save belt from its waist and unleashes its full power. So somehow, when it evolves, it just grows a belt that it can take off. And I'm not even getting into the kind of troubling black crotch area that's supposed to look like strongman briefs. Yeah, we're kind of we're kind of getting a callback to our Nidorans episode with the king and queens. The fact that their carapaces take on a bikini formation, especially the Nidor queen. Um, I mean, the king doesn't have a bikini area, that's for sure. Yeah, doesn't he have, like, does, isn't his, It's like, like all breastplate. Oh, okay, it's all Like, it's King K. Rule, which also Macho kind of looks like. Yeah, but this Pokemon with that whole belt thing is just, like, such an anime cliche that then has birthed this other follow-up meme of, Master, forgive me, I must use all my strength. <laughs> um, which is another link that will be included in the show notes, folks. Enjoy. Um, but that meme then birthed the second evolution that I think is a little bit more mainstream and widespread of the while you were out partying, I studied the, the blade. blade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, what do you think about this one? Um, so this one, I think, so I mentioned that a Machop could clearly hoist and throw a darling. The Pokedex says that this one can hold a wrestler overhead with a single finger because this one's muscles are hard as steel. So we've gone from a Pokemon that could hoist and throw a Darling to a Pokemon that could straight up take down a Valdez. Again, my Sunday afternoon where I'm watching Machop's throw dudes, like I'm just picturing like a Machoke with a guy on its finger Cartoon spinning him around. Spinning around. Just, yeah, <laughs> and I'm just hearing Sweet Georgia Brown playing in the background now. No, he's he's proper ripped. We've gone from obnoxious, hyperactive little boy to just full on do you even lift bro status where this dude's <laughs> ripped he's got the briefs he's full-on muscled out probably listens to the joe rogan podcast every week has experimented with dmt and know. then he goes home and listens to evanescence yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> goes home, yeah so he's he's the total package he's he's got uh, protein peptides for you to try like all mm. sorts of shit continuing with our theme of the day bad name day uh this pokemon was originally named kung fu Foo spelled with two O's instead of a U. As in the thing one pities. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did not anticipate an A-team reference, but that almost earned a Yanato Baloo head on the table. It was like 90% there. <laughs> These guys really try to lean into the whole martial arts name bit. And sadly got shot down at the last minute. <laughs> Someone, the powers that be came in and were just like, cut this shit out, guys. It's just... <laughs> 
Let's go back to the driveway. I do like that most of its sprites for the first five generations have it flexing in some way. Like the yellow sprite I love because it's kind of like uh, in midair, seemingly just like got its arms in a cross position kind of like, well, one arm over the other, but they're both flexing and it's hilarious. Machoke is the Pokemon that is a total weightlifting bro, but he's hilariously so. Yeah, he's clearly, after he's done lifting at the beach, he's putting on his puka shells, he's heading to the bar with his bros, and he's just kind of chilling out there, like scoping out the scene, but he also seems like a little bit insecure about himself because he's competing with Machamp. Hmm. Darling, can you give us a little uh, background on this guy? He's bigger and he's got four arms, what can I say? He is bigger. Well, not that much bigger, actually. In terms of a size progression, the Pokedex only notes that from Machoke to Machamp, there's only a four-inch growth in height, which is a little bit restrained as far as things are concerned. What's not restrained? So wait, how tall is it? uh, Five foot one. I think they say Machoke is around the four foot 11, so so Machamp ends up being like five foot three, just over five feet. Oh, um, that's my mom's height. Yeah. That really throws me now. Yeah. And so this Pokemon, what it's known for actually is its punching speed. That's where... So we're staying reasonable in terms of size today. What we're getting in terms of ridiculousness, very much like Arcanine in the last episode, guys, is we're getting ridiculous punching speed. Uh, Machamp can apparently throw 500 punches per second. All right. Let's just throw numbers out there. Let's Calm just down. throw <laughs> numbers out there. Again, 11-year-olds are writing this. Now, granted, it, you you might think, okay, well, I guess it has four arms. That forgives it. But you are still throwing 125 punches per second per arm. Who needs that? <laughs> Who needs that much? Who needs to get socked up that much? I feel like this dude's already ripped to shreds and getting, like... Call back to last episode. I'm yeah. not going to do it again, but it's like my joke last episode about being able to recite all the state capitals in under a second. That's what they're doing. They're just like tapping you really lightly yeah. <laughs> for a single second. Like, I did punch you 125 times. You couldn't feel it. Well, um, it does help that he has four arms. Yeah, and the thing about it is is that this Pokemon isn't even noted for defeating its opponents or its prey or enemies through punching. So the punches clearly aren't that effective. What's known for defeating its foes through is by throwing them over the horizon so it's zangief from street fighter oh god i hadn't thought of that but you know what with the i like i associated like the mouth it has like this homer simpson style mouth oh my shadow god, you're right but now that you mention zangief if anybody hasn't played the original street fighter 2 just look up the street fighter 2 endings on youtube Picture Machamp now doing, like, the Russian kick yeah. dance with Gorbachev. I love that Gorbachev was in that game. I, That's so fun. I have to think if you're Gorbachev, you're pumped. <laughs> like, you, you kind of are coming down from, like, the height of your powers. You're definitely washed. And, like, now you're getting reference to this sweet-ass video game. And your legacy gets to live on in, like, a somewhat positive way. I think it's kind of sweet. And they, like, made sure they animated, like, the little, like, birthmark stain on yeah. Gorbachev's oh, the, forehead. The Fort so Wine stain. Remember, yeah. like, 1998 or something when Gorbachev was in a Pizza Hut ad? No. What? No, this is real. Gorbachev, and I'm not saying, like, it was a guy who was made up to look like Gorbachev. This was the actual Mikhail Gorbachev. He yeah. was in a Pizza Hut ad where the premise is like, well, Cold War is over. Now Pizza Hut is in Russia, and Gorbachev's there was his, like, granddaughter or something. Damn. And they go and get pizza. Like, look that shit up. It's not, real not and it's spectacular. Props to Gorbachev's PR team for hustling. <laughs> so I didn't about that. But yeah, but pizza the Gorbachev pizza, the Gorbachev Pizza Hut ad is one of the greatest, weirdest things that's ever happened. Pizza Hut, more than any other major 
corporation, fast food company, food company in general, is like the most weirdly avant-garde in hindsight because it just had the most high concept ads for a fast food company. If you look back You're at right. McDonald's, it's just like, here, eat our fucking fries, eat our fucking burgers. <laughs> no, man. Pizza Hut was going, like, high concept with its shit. McDonald's yeah. got out there on some, like, acid dream, like, shit, though, with, like, the fry guys. Mary and McCheese. Mary McCheese. Like, they're they on that. The folklore that they brought to this world. <laughs> the folklore. They're on that H.R. Puffin stuff trip. Yeah, Exactly. All right, but I want to bring us back to some podcast canon folklore, which is that just one bit of trivia about Machamp, which is that Ash's dad, a.k.a. Pokemon Universe Bruce Wayne Giovanni, was the owner of Machamp, and that Ash did have to fight one for his uh, badge because he loaned their Mach- his Machamp to Team Rocket while they were overseeing the gym in his stead. This is our second Pokemon that we've come across that requires a trade to evolve to, so I never got this one. I don't think I ever owned a champ proper. Well, never amazingly, in the yellow version, there is an in-game trade where you can trade, I don't recall what Pokemon off the top of my head, but you can get a Machoke that then, because it's a trade, immediately evolves into Machamp. So little Johnny No Friends, who we've talked about before, could get a Machamp if they had yellow version. Okay, so I had an out, but I had my little blue cartridge, so I did not <laughs> manage to get that option. Mm. But... I have way callback to the original episode of this podcast. I referenced that the original generation sprites were very much a theater of the mind sort of stand-in for what we were supposed to do with our imaginations to imagine these creatures as being alive. And I think we may have found a Pokemon that was worse than Mr. Belvedere, a.k.a. Squirtle. Darling shared with us in our preparation for this episode what some of these sprites looked like from a champ. For the red and green version, because when they released it in Japan, they realized we need to clean up these sprites before we send it out into the rest of the world. And yeah, the Machamp is awful. Uh, looks so squished and toad-like. I'm looking at it now, yeah. It's wow. It's almost like they don't know what to do with the other arms either. They're just like, fuck, I don't know. If I just, just try to fit him in. Just put him in, man. He has four arms. Like, what do we do? He says he has four arms. But the funny thing is, is that when Darling sent these to us beforehand and he said, these sprites are so bad, all caps, and I was like, oh, God, is this going to be like a Jinx episode before we get to Jinx? And then I looked at it and I just laughed because I expected the Homer Simpson mouth coloring to be more problematic than I... than. Well, it was the Game Boy. We didn't have the coloring, thankfully. But, yeah. yeah. You just got uh, like a lobster claw. Yeah. This will be on the show notes also because it's a very packed show notes. Yeah, my bad, guys. I've given you guys a very visual podcast <laughs> to work with. Not just a great job. No, we're do- this is fun. This is theater of the mind. There we go. <laughs> right. We move on to Bellsprout, a cute little flower that is a grass and poison type that you first encounter in Route 5, but it's exclusive to the blue version. And I'll just say outright, just kind of really simple, another rare case of me just having nothing but adoration for a Pokemon. This is another Pokemon that made me glad I had the blue version, because I just think it's incredibly cute. To the point where I did not want to evolve it into the peculiar pair that it eventually becomes, per my mom. I was Amish gang, sorry. <laughs> Even though, like, low-key, I do love Bellsprout, but I was, I was on the red cartridge and had my Amish boys. On the red cartridge sounds like a euphemism. Oh, yeah. Take a small dosages of the red cartridge. <laughs> yeah, so this kind of for blue also functioned as that kind of backup to Bulbasaur. If you decided not to pick Bulbasaur, you had another grass poison type that you could catch and evolve with a leaf stone to its final form. 
which I'm getting a little bit ahead of us mm. towards the victory bell line, but you know, we bounce. Yeah. I do appreciate that they had one of those in each version. Like you could do that alternate to Bulbasaur in either version. Yeah, and I mean, I think in general, I'm a big fan of this Pokemon. I don't think we have a whole lot to discuss about it, but it's just a really cute Pokemon. I think it's a really life kind of unique design in terms of the concept of a Pokemon being able to be a tulip type flower that can get up and run. Um, but I get to enjoy my favorite sort of recurring call out which is Ash being a dumbass. <laughs> Thank you. You guys gotta get a sound drop for that. <laughs> no, I'm not doing a sound drop for Ash being a dumbass, and I never will. In hindsight, the sound drop should have been... <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of it starting triumphant and then just ending. We're going on a tangent here. Let's move on. Yes, Ash being a dumbass. So I remember in the show, Ash getting schooled by this Bellsprout who just managed to take down... Uh, his Bulbasaur and his Pikachu, which again, going back to Ash being a dumbass, he threw a grass type out against a grass type and just, you know, one-to-one -one battle. Okay. You don't train your Pokemon. Guess who does? Your opponent. Mm -hmm. um, and then he threw out an electric type against it because when in doubt, fall back on Pikachu. Oh, I guess at that oh, point, I guess at that point, Charizard wasn't listening to him or was away training at the Charizard camp. Um, but either way, he had to rely on a muck that you almost forgot he had mm. at the time that just literally just belly smothered it. <laughs> God, that sounds horrifying. That is like one of my top five ways I don't want to die. Just death by muck muck. Just, yeah. Yeah, so a little bit of a more modest uh, Pokedex curiosity on this Pokemon I want to point out is that it mentions that this Pokemon traps and eat bugs. It, it's a uh, It's a two-foot-tall plant. And, you know, talking about po Pokemon flora and fauna, is it eating flies or is it eating bugs like Venonat and Butterfree that we mentioned are two feet tall and three feet tall also? Because I would love to see this two foot tall flower with like a three inch mouth eat a Venonat. Yeah, I'm thrown off by how big this guy is. Like, you look at the photos and, and the sprites are, you assume he's like a little guy, but yeah. two feet's huge for yeah. a flower with legs just kind of walking around. It's a toddler. I'd be terrified if this like walking flower just out here just eating bugs and shit like the size of my <laughs> two-year-old daughter. Yeah, it's a little bit too tall to step on to stop it. You have to punch it. <laughs> you really gotta like machop that shit. <laughs> you pick it up and throw it. Pick it up and throw it. Yeah. Yeah. You really gotta grab yeah. it. That's the proper way. You gotta like a like a fierce dog that's attacking in a park. You gotta grab yeah. it by the by the legs, swing it, get swing a good spin, swing it. Well, if David you think, and Goliath. If you think a two-foot-tall bell sprout is terrifying. In Gold and Silver and Crystal and the remix, there is Violet City's Sprout Tower, which is a multi-story tower that is said to be built around a hundred-foot-tall bellsprout, and the tower moves like a bellsprout. And all of the trainers that are in that area also have at least one bellsprout on their team. Yeah, cool. And we're getting to the point of like Pokemon immortality, where we've talked about the fact that Wartortle apparently can live ten thousand years. Mm. Other Pokemon, like Magikarp, can live a thousand years and things like that. And we're getting to, like, maybe Bellsprout can live enough millennia that, like a Redwood in, you know, Yosemite, they can grow to be a thousand feet tall or something like that. With a head Hundred like that, case, though, yeah. with a head like that, that shit's top heavy. How are you standing <laughs> up? Like, you're just this hundred foot thing with, like, a head dragging on the ground. Like, I, structurally, I worry for the old bell sprouts. <laughs> bell sprouts are structurally unsound. They're not adorable. Structurally unsound, though. 
I mean, we do live in, I mean, these are not 100 feet tall, but, you know, the palm trees in California, the roots go so deep down that that's why they're able to be so, like, mm. skinny and top-heavy mm. with, like, all the tr all the leaves. So yeah. you'd have to imagine that with a head that big compared to the rest of its body, those roots must be going, like, 50 stories down into the earth. You're not getting that thing out anytime soon. And imagine if all the palm trees yelled their name every so often. That'd be a um, hell of a wake-up uh... call. <laughs> yeah, so getting to my mom's peculiar pair for the day, I did not like this design. I mean, it is what it is, but I just thought it was weird that they turned what were like very a very cute, unique design for the roots and the stem from being like a body, a torso and legs to being just a booty hook. <laughs> yeah, it's like now jumping around on its mouth and the roots have become like a little like alfalfa hair design that apparently it hangs itself from tree branches with. Um, Weepin' Bell oh, is a little dummy of a Pokemon design, but I don't hate it. I just don't like it enough to evolve my Bell Sprout into it. See, I love Weepin' Bell because yes. 23 years before Sobble came on the scene, Weepin' Bell was the original sad boy Pokemon. And I will always find that adorable. Like, in the Jim Heroes expansion of the trading card game, there was Erica's Weepin' Bell, which is just this sad-looking cute thing that has a little heart next to it because it's clearly in love with Erica, its trainer. And I think that's adorable. It's such a sad boy. I'm with you, man. I love Weeping Bell. Weeping Bell's just like a big, doofy-ass Pokemon. <laughs> he definitely he definitely looks like he has a lot of teenage dirtbag and Radiohead on his playlist. Oh. But like it depends on like what photo or what depiction you're seeing because sometimes he's very melancholy, very emo. Others is just like the eyes are big. It looks like he's like seen some shit or experienced some shit. <laughs> so like it varies. It's just like this like big bulbous sad blob of a thing that just looks not quite finished all the way. <laughs> but you know like... what shit he's seeing is his own macabre like slicing up of his prey because Watch. that's what the Pokedex Whoa. says is that he uses those like leaves that are so like fluffy and like happy looking. No, he's using that to slice up its prey. That's terrifying. He feels for it. But I love it. It's also one of the rare instances of an evolved Pokemon just looking significantly, like, dumber than his predecessor. <laughs> like, not nearly yeah. as yeah. menacing. Like, you have, like, Psyduck and Golduck. Like, Psyduck's this adorable, like, goofball of a guy. And it turns into this, like, weird fucking man duck thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, sci-fi duck. Yeah, like... But it's still like, badass. It's, but, like, the jump from, like, cute to badass is that this is, like, the jump from, like, cute to just, like, fucking goofy. It's amazing. <laughs> I love everything about it. Like, not everyone has to, like, evolve into this, like, juiced up, like, muscled out, like, evolve type. Like, sometimes you just get a big dummy, like, coming out. Sometimes you, you peak early. Sometimes. <laughs> and this was one of those cases where you had to kind of admire elements of team rocket and wonder if they hadn't just gone like a more legitimate route like james had multiple members of this family like he actually had a weeping bell that he evolved into a victory bell he let it go and then he got another did he get a second he got another weeping bell, weep bell that evolved into victory bell which now is a great transition i think mm -hmm. and the two victory bell basically looked at him fell in love and were like you know let's just go away let's just leave these team rocket doofuses <laughs> yeah, I'll Bogart Darling's usual role on this one and say that Victory Bell, you know, bio information on this one, you evolve it with a Leaf Stone, you don't find it in the wild. So, uh, but this Pokemon uh, final evolution is five feet tall. Um, so, you know, my comparison and my thoughts on that is that if a Bell Sprout could somehow eat a Venonat, then a Victory Bell could very easily eat a Michael Darling. I'm imagining myself like Steve Buscemi in the Wood Chipper in Fargo. 
Spoilers. <laughs> well, I'm picturing you just kind of like as the victory bell jumps on you, you somehow like fight your way out just like past your shoulders and just like say, well, that's all, folks. And then just like <laughs> pull it over you like a blanket for the night. <laughs> <laughs> but then like a weird other aesthetic thing that I got from it. And I don't know if you guys had this, but uh, this is a age old callback, but it just felt like a design that came out of Yoshi's Island for the Super NES oh, yeah, totally. for me. Yeah. It just looks like it belongs in that. Just friendly enough that like it's flowery, belongs in the nature scenes, but just menacing enough that it looks dangerous. It's funny you bring up Yoshi's Island. This is a bit of a tangent, but I was talking to a friend. We never do tangent on the show. Thank you. How dare you? I will see myself out. Um, no, I was talking to a friend. I, I have a I have a two and a half year old daughter, uh, and I have a friend who doesn't have kids. Asking kind of like, what's it like having a toddler or having a, a two year old for a child? And I equated it to Yoshi's Island, the bit where you have this like little thing that you always have to kind of keep around you protect and every now and then it'll get into trouble or find yourself in a situation and will like call out and, like very you gotta like jump in and save that thing before something jumps in and takes it with it so those of you who may not feel like you're ready for fatherhood or don't think you know, just think of it that way and you'll be golden so basically if you have beaten yoshi's island you're ready for parenthood easily okay good you got it all right you, you took care of baby mario you can take care of anything Thank you, Dr. Spock. Kind of contrary to the borderline menacing images we've encountered so far, he lives in deep jungles. This is the only place Victory Bell are found in the wild, according to the Pokedex, is deep jungles that no one returns <laughs> from. Um, Which makes you wonder how they know that these Victory Bell are in there. It's that, I don't know, maybe helicopters or something like that. I mean, we're dealing in a post-scarcity world of Pokemon. Oh, like those primitive is... tribes that, you know, like, that occasionally people will discover in the Amazon <laughs> And they discover them because suddenly, uh, like, spears have been thrown at the helicopter. Well, amazing story about this. There is actually an island that is kept off limits by the yes. Indian government. Yeah. Sentinel Island that has a tribe that is apparently so aggressive and so anti-being approached by any outsiders. They have not been visited by outsiders in centuries. Well, they um, haven't been successfully visited by outsiders. True, because, true. like, People last try. year, last year there was that dumbass who's like, I'm going to go to Sentinel Island and teach them Christianity. And he got murdered for his efforts. And you know what? Justifiable homicide. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the Indian government has this cordon off. So this, but I mean, to make a Game of Thrones reference, because we're just going to reference everything today. Um, you know, this is the jungles that this thing lives in are probably like the Sothiros. And I'm sorry to Game of Thrones fans who, for whom I'm mispronouncing that. But, you know, there's this continent in uh, Game of Thrones that... There's a Westeros, there's Osteros or Easteros, and then Esteros. there's yeah Esteros, and then there's the southern ver equivalent of that. That is like this. We're never going to see it in the show. It's just this untouched continent that is apparently so dangerous that nobody has ever gotten more than ten feet off the beach of that continent <laughs> because it just died. Um, that's kind of what Victor Bell create in this mythos. I don't know where these jungles exist in our Pokemon geography as we know it thus far. But it's terrifying to think that in the Pokemon universe, we've just been taken to like, oh, here are the theme parks. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park in that world has victory bells that have just murdered people. Yeah. And I like how much it jumps. It jumps from like adorable little sprout to big dummy of a dumb, dumb like bell thing hmm. to now just like a murderous pack of yeah like pitchers. Well, I love <laughs> like the, an apex predator. Yeah, yeah, I love that the pitcher part has kind of turned around as the evolution happens because like we've got. It kind of standing on its roots, and then the roots become a vine that it hangs from, and then finally it is standing on the actual bulb part 
with mm-hmm. the mouth than at the top. Yep. And that mouth would just constantly flip onto James, just kind of like it was another take on the Wobbuffet and Psyduck bit where here's a Pokemon that just hates its trainer for whatever reason <laughs> that its trainer just can't get along with. And just every time Victory Bell came out, it would just jump on James and just try to eat him. It was a great slapstick bit. Yeah. yeah. It got old, but it was still funny. But it also made you think, even as a kid, like, why does he keep using this guy if he's just going to mm. eat him every time? Yeah. Just... There were so many bits in Pokemon, especially in that first season, that just went on way too long. It just made me think of, like, classic old Hollywood bits. Like, hey, we're going to have the Victor Bell jump on James! <laughs> Before we move on, I just want to share this very dark shit from the gold Pokedex. Uh, about Victory Bell. Acid that has dissolved many prey becomes sweeter, making it even more effective at attracting prey. That's just efficiency, man. That's, that's... That's, that's some real-world evolutionary shit. Yeah. I mean, we have, like, predatory plants that are carnivorous, you know, Venus flytraps and things like that, mm-hmm. and pitcher plants and yeah. things. Which is what these are based on. Yeah, that do attract insects in the same way, not necessarily rodents and full-on mammalia. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, it's, it's a reasonable, fantastic step and jump to yeah. make, I think. More so than other jumps we've called out thus far already. Well, yeah, this is a very straight... All the Pokemon this week have a very straightforward evolution, I think. Yeah, we're actually about to jump into a Pokemon that's a little bit more modest and restrained, if anything like that, especially compared to its real-world countertypes. Uh, darling, if you cue us up for our trip into the ocean. The ocean is terrifying. I've said it before on this podcast, I will say it again. Uh, and in the Pokemon universe, it's terrifying because Tentacool live there. Tentacool are water and poison, which is Gen 1's two most common types together in one package. It's kind of the, you got chocolate in my peanut butter of Pokemon. Uh, and you first encounter it surfing on Route 19, just south of Fuchsia City. So I am just outright... This Pokemon is another one of those kinds of like it accomplishes what it's trying to do designs. It's a tent it's a tentacle Pokemon, it's a squid, jellyfish type Pokemon. Does what it needs to do. It's not trying to be the Pokemon you love or your favorite water Pokemon, but it's a cool design and it's got some really cool lore attached to it, even if they restrain it quite a bit from real world inspirations. One thing I will say is that it does kind of remind me of for Marvel nerds out there, uh, it does remind me a little bit of Modoc. In terms of its like kind of bulbous shape, Um, but I also just want to say, darling, uh, I know you're a fan of the Venga Boys. (laughs) Where are you going with this? Do you think that in the Pokemon universe, it's the Tenta Boys getting on the Tenta bus? Here's the thing: I'm going to save any Venga Boys jokes for like three years from now when we get to the Charger Bug is coming and everybody's jumping. All right, previews, folks. Stick around. <laughs> Three years from now. I guess it depends if the Tenet Boys like to party or not. <laughs> oh, you're right. We do not know if the Tenet Boys like to party. Tenet right. Boys like to party. All right, so bouncing back and forth between this guy and his next evolution, uh, I meant, I've been touching on the fact that this is a restrained design. Um, you know, we had way back in the Birdie with the Good Hair episode comparisons to real-world eagles and extinct birds of prey and things like that. Uh, this tentacle boy is only uh three feet long and his evolved form is only going to get to be five feet long including tentacles i presume based on the description because i feel like the pokedex would call out if the tentacles made it longer Hmm. there are jellyfish in the world the lion's mane jellyfish gets to be a hundred and twenty feet long jesus that is 10 stories tall if you were hanging this 
jellyfish outside of a 10th floor window, its tentacles would touch the ground below you. It's oddly restrained for yeah. the Pokedex people. <laughs> it's always so weird. We just finished an episode where we talked about a Pokemon that can run 6,200 miles in 24 hours. And then we come to this jellyfish Pokemon. Now y'all want to be anatomically correct. Even, <laughs> or even, and the lion's mane jellyfish, you may not have never heard, you may not have ever heard of it, but... You know, you hear about jellyfish warnings. If you live on the coast, you occasionally hear about jellyfish warnings on the beach. I myself have been stung by jellyfish, just randomly. Ouch. Nope. It hurt like hell, not enough for me to get pissed on to try to alleviate the pain. So do not do that. That's an old wives' tale. I still don't know anyone that's actually gone that far. I know people have been stung, but... Yeah, it hurts like hell, but I mean, I've honestly been bitten by ants that hurt more. It's just more of like, it's more of a persistent pain. You wanted the Um, dignity to remain intact. You didn't want anyone peeing on you. Yeah, so even the more Hashtag com- no king shame. Even the more common jellyfish that you'll run into in oceans and riptides and things like that, you know, the uh, the box jellyfish, that gets to be twenty feet long. That's a relatively common jellyfish. That's so ten- tentacles are tiny. They are tiny little jellyfish. Guys. They're little they're little tiny boys. Uh, even Tentacruel are tiny boys. Tentacruel only get to be up to be five feet long. So we do have an episode of the Pokemon TV show to reference here, which is that the Tentacool and Tentacruel led an uprising against a construction firm. Again, Pokemon solidarity against the man. Uh, it was just pretty much like your standard Namor rising up from the sea to fight the surface creatures. But in this episode, the Tentacruel that evolved to take down things. Yeah, like one Tentacruel evolves like just out of sheer anger into this giant fucking Tentacruel. And this episode actually got banned by Kids WB following 9-11 because of the imagery of a giant Tentacruel knocking down skyscrapers. Though funnily enough, that scene was still in the opening titles of the series. <laughs> uh, yeah, so despite what the episode shows with a multi-story tentacruel, it only gets to be five feet. Like, that is, like, on average in the games. Like, that's very small compared to what I would think looking at this monstrosity of a Pokemon. Yeah, and this is another interesting, one last Pokedex thing for Tentacool, specifically before we close off with Tentacruel. It's noted that this Pokemon has mind control powers through its tentacles. Which... Oh, yeah, we see it control, control our Meowth yeah. in oh, yeah. the show. Yeah, which reminds me of one of the better episodes of the Justice League cartoon, which, because I cannot go an episode of this podcast without referencing Batman, so I'm going to prove you all wrong by referencing Superman today. Except where, Batman's in that episode. But I'm referencing Superman, where Superman has his mind controlled by a tentacled monster, and the mind control shows him his deepest desire and what he truly wishes, and it's a great episode. Look it up. Um, I'm not going to go too deeply into it. It's called For the Man Who Has Everything, and it's based on a classic Alan Moore Superman comic. And super, it just is a great character study into Superman, and if you watch just that episode, it will make you hate everything Zack Snyder has done with the DC uh, movie universe for the past, what, 10 years now? Have we been coping with that? A little less than that, but it feels like it. I want to say 2013 or something, probably. Oh, yeah. That sounds like like I might be including... I think I might be including uh, Watchmen in that run because Watchmen technically uh, yeah. is a subsidiary, but yeah. I think he went, he went from Watchmen like I think three years later. In the yeah, well there was like Sucker Punch in between. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that fun foray. Yeah. To jump into Tentacruel, it's interesting that this Pokemon kind of breaks our running theme for the day to close us out, which is that its beta name was originally Mana War, which is the That's name legit. of it. It's a cool name, but it's the name of an actual animal. Yeah. Unlike other, you know, even like when we meet a giraffe, it will be named Giraffe Rig, 
eventually. Um, but this Pokemon, Man of War is an actual jellyfish-like creature. It's not a jellyfish. Um, and this kind of falls in line with my creatures that make me uncomfortable, like I mentioned in the fungus episode, where a Man of War, in case you're not familiar, the reason why it isn't a jellyfish is that it's actually multiple individual parts of an organism that are working together. So to ex- a badass. They're badass and they're dangerous, but to explain how a man of war works based on that description, imagine if your heart listener met my stomach and those two organs met Andrew's lungs and Darling's brain and those Oh good, I was worried that I wouldn't get po- murdered by a Pokemon right now. You've been murdered multiple times this episode. You've been <laughs> thrown, you've been Hoisted over That's why we're harvesting your brain at this point. But Mm. all of these organs are clearly from different organisms, different individual organisms, but they're all working together. That's what a man of war is. It's great. And I almost wish that, like, the tentacle cruel guys would, like, pull inspiration from the man of wars because they're kind of dope-looking creatures. They got, like, the fin thing above the water that they kind of sail through. Yeah. It's a a great aesthetic. And it's very colorful. It's very pretty. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, one thing that the Tentacruel underplays is the fact that both of the drawings and both of the illustrations that we commonly see of Tentacruel and Tentacruel only show two-ish tentacles. Oh, but a bunch more for yeah. Tentacruel. But it's supposed to have 80, according to the Pokedex. Yeah, it's supposed to have 80, um, which... It goes back to this, like the weird, arbitrary number thing of like Machamp being able to punch... 150 times a second. You need 80, like 80s. Yeah. Uh, IQ of 5,000, run 6,200 miles, move, submerge your head at the speed of light. Let's just. I I shouldn't be as an as an eight year old playing this game to be like, this isn't this is unbelievable, guys. What are we doing here? Like, even I see this. Just on this last Pokemon, we're closing off with some already baffling concept designs, and just I think it's a very wonderfully child friendly HR Geeker kind of design. Like, it's missing all of the you know sexualized elements you expect in a Geeker design, but it's very in that same realm as the you know the alien from Alien. This Pokemon was made in Japan. It has tentacles. (laughs) And you're it's telling implied. me that it's not sexualized? <laughs> it's touche. It's very much implied. <laughs> so, gentlemen, on that note, I'm going to take us into Mon Mods. This is the section where we discuss one change we would make to any family of the Pokemon or an individual Pokemon, whether in design, typing, adding an evolutionary stage. What do we think would improve the Pokemon we've discussed today? Mr. Darling, if you could cue us up, please. Well, this is probably my stupidest mod so far, uh, since Machamp is, well, the whole line, is based on strongmen and wrestlers. Just give it an old-timey mustache. Why not? It's already wearing the briefs and the belt. Give it the old-timey strongman mustache like you'd see on a boardwalk carnival. I like that. I'm I almost, I'm, I'm on board with that. Just give it an old-timey mustache. Uh, I like that. I, I would almost, like, lean into that even further, like, with Choke, like... Maybe give Machoke like a sleeveless vest to go with his briefs and just give him like the full Stone Cold Steve Austin look. Lean into the wrestling bit fully. I think if you're just gonna make these dudes like weird ass humanoids, giving them clothes and stuff, like lean in. Just We've really... talked about the fact that I expect that in an actual Pokemon universe there would be speciation and variations. Like Venomoth would have different mm. like breeds of Venomoth that have different types of poison. I think that Machamp and Machoke would absolutely have different wrestler archetypes. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, it's... one of them is like a luchador Machamp, and then the other one's like a more English boxing-type Machamp. <laughs> oh. 
I'm imagining four arms doing that classic. Four arms. Like the, Great theater of the mind, us yeah. posing for the listeners. I'll picture the Notre Dame <laughs> Fighting Irish logo, but with four arms. Link will be in the show notes, folks. My other mod, like, I don't have a specific design mod, but I, I go back to the Bell Sprouts and Weeping Bell Jump and just how, like, adorably doofy they made Weeping Bell. I don't quite like that they then turned Victory Bell into, like, a badass killing machine. Like, I want to see, like, the doofiness progress further and just really, like... Really keep that line going, so we just have like almost like the dumb kind of like a Super Mario Brothers de evolution thing where yeah. it just gets dumber. Yeah, because like, really, like it doesn't make sense. It goes from cute to dumb to like menacing. Like let's. Well, unlike uh, you, it's like an actual human being. Yes. Unlike you, I actually want to see the Victory Bell live up to that mythos because I love the fact that we have this like deeper expanded universe like mythos of like there are these jungles that we don't get to see because they're too dangerous for a 12 year old to walk into it's already baffling enough that this universe is apparently safe enough for 12 year olds to leave home and go on these pokemon adventures mostly because ash's mom didn't like it uh yeah and three other kids in that town didn't like them but our (laughs) podcast canon is that professor oak tricked those moms into getting those kids out of town but that being said um I want to see a more dangerous-looking Victory Bell design. I want to see, you know, I kind of wanted to see something that returned to Bellsprout using its roots for for its legs and making it like maybe a little bit more jaguar-like in some kind of way, where those where the roots come back and oh, are its terrifying. mode of transportation. Would you terrifying. Turn him back upside down to match. Yeah, Victory Bell so is just like a. Like so like vacuum like it becomes machine. like a grass jaguar and i kind of referenced this on uh, the episode with ethan where i kind of wanted to see you know a jaguar like grass pokemon that uses hmm. the grass as camouflage because it is itself grass and is praying and i think victor bell just based on its mythos is the perfect candidate for that so hmm. i want more big idiots you want more bloodlust yeah of course and i want mustaches you want mustaches yes so since we've discussed how we would change the Pokemon in their current universe, let's move into talking about what they'd be doing in our universe. Welcome to Mon's World. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my world. Right, I will lead us off this time. I think that while we would be terrified of Victory Bell in their faraway Amazonian jungles, Weepin' Bell and Bellsprout would absolutely be used in controlled circumstances far away from leaf stones that would evolve them into their dangerous form. Uh, they'd be used for pest control because they eat insects, they eat small rodents. I think you'd see them running around Central Park and MacArthur Park, hmm. uh, keeping the pests in check. Um, now, this is where I get to have some fun as a fan of the NBA, and I'm not alone here. Uh, I think the NBA would allow to allow each team to have one Machamp. Given their punching speed, they would be experts at ball handling. I think that each NBA team would get to have a sixth-man Machamp play limited minutes off the bench. I want to point out that since they're 5'3", that's Muggsy Bogues height. Yeah, they're getting yeah. dunked on left and right, but yeah. also... Dude, playing point guard, though, they got handles. They I'm got- sorry. At the time of this recording, last night, Chris Paul went viral on Twitter for schooling and getting DJ Wilson so hard with his handles that DJ Wilson staggered just off the court like a full to twi- exist. <laughs> the man disappeared off the screen. It's beautiful. Here's the thing, though. Machop, Machamp, all those dudes are fouling out in legit like two minutes. Like it, it's really like you're just bringing back Reggie Evans. And that's a basketball <laughs> deep cut for those who may not know. But Reggie Evans was this great... 
utility role player who came off the bench for a lot of teams. Journeyman, totally journeyman, uh, was a power forward. And literally all the dude did was grab rebounds and just two-hand push the shit out of motherfuckers <laughs> like every game. And the guy would end every game with between five and six fouls. And he was wonderful because he wouldn't do anything else. Like, and he knew that, too. He would catch the ball at like the point and no one would guard him. He would, like, would refuse to dribble, would refuse to do anything creative with the ball. He's like, no, I'm here to push dudes and grab rebounds and use my fouls and get out and collect yeah. a check. And I'm looking at that for like a similar situation with like a Machop Machop. They're just hacking dudes left and right because it's, it's <laughs> in their DNA. They can't help it. All right. So other than the NBA, where would you see them in the world? I mean, staying in the sports world, I mean, you got to take your, your, your mock boys to your UFC, man. Boys. UFC God. Dana White's gonna exploit the shit out of that and make like a <laughs> a machamp machop machoke leave. You have your flyweight, you have your welterweight, you got your heavyweight right there. The divisions are built in. You want to throw in a Hitmonly Hitmon champ like hashtag mock boys. You got you got fighters ready to go in there. You got a league right there waiting to be exploited. Oh my God, you're and, right, and, and they're already lift bros and UFC bros just by design nature. Like it just fits in. And then the whole thing about mastering every single martial arts like that fits right in with like the basis of UFC. Uh, so yeah, that's that's probably where my mind goes to as the as the fit for those guys. I'm gonna go a little less sporty in that we see a Machamp directing traffic in Detective Pikachu, which I gotta say is a pretty great gag. Like when you got four arms, that's perfect. Uh, and then in Sun and Moon, Machamp is used to carry the player and push large stones, replacing the strength HM. Uh, so that and Machoke would definitely be used for transporting cargo and other heavy objects, I think. That's very utilitarian. Yeah. I mean, in Darling's world, they all have a role in our society. Just working them to the bone. Yeah, I think it's uh, Machamp Shrugged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rather than working for us, how about feeding us? Okay, so this brings us to my favorite section of every week. And you're accusing me of being utilitarian. At least we're going to eat them. For Mon Appetit! Maybe you'd like my personal crack medicine. Mm -hmm. Surprise! Okay, mine is simple this week. I just want a little bit of comfort food that I remember from my early days. I, because the Machamp and Machoke lines get so steely and hard, that's not good eating. I said that for this podcast, even though I've gone back vegetarian, I'm going to still murk some fictional meat for this podcast. So no bell sprout, no weeping bell, no victor bell. And I love sushi, but I don't feel like eating jellyfish. So I'm actually going to go for machop because I feel like it's not strong enough that the oh, muscles man. are too tough. It's still tender. I think it's still tender. I think that little boy with his little paunch still has a little bit of marbling on that muscle. Ugh. So I want some Machop stroganoff served over egg noodles. Maybe with a little bit of steamed bell sprout on the side. That's, but That's dark. We just talked about like this thing looks like a child. Linda, Linda. You're talking about... <laughs> you literally called him a child with a paunch. Yeah, now you're trying to eat him? That's... Well, what are you guys eating? When Baloo is arrested for cannibalism, you'll know why. Oh. It was all here. I gave you the clues, Mr. Policeman. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Jenny. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, with 80 tentacles, we could make a whole mess of tentaculamari. And do you think tentaculamari is going well with donkey sauce from our famed Guy Fieri? Or are you sticking with a standard marinara? Well, in the Pokemon universe, it would be Mudbray sauce. So. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta stick. I'm not gonna eat no humanoid things. I'm not gonna eat... I'm a choke or a champ, like with their briefs and implied dongs. Like, <laughs> implied dongs. I'm not gonna get. I can't go there. 
the bell sprout weeping bell there is some, you could probably steam those guys and make a little vegetarian dish out of it but i think tentacruel ceviche kind of going along with you i think Ooh. jellyfish are about 90 percent water so you, they will take on whatever flavor you put in some acid wise spice wise so i think uh going more of like a raw approach and just mm. ceviche that bad boy up let the uh the acid of a lime do the talking kind of like break down those fibers and get in there plus 80 tentacles man that's a bargain yeah that's a lot you're doing you're, you're getting a bang for your buck that's not even a family meal. That's like a family reunion meal. That, that's straight cookout. Yeah. Well, Mr. Valdez, I got to thank you for coming on and having so much fun talking about slaps, talking about the NBA, just going everywhere with it, us. If there's one contribution I make to this podcast, uh, it's that I brought the slap to the table. So. Brought the slap to the, the table. Slap to it's the been, table. I'm surprised we had to wait 10 episodes for somebody to bring it up. Hey, like a good game of GoldenEye multiplayer. This has been slappers only. Slappers only. <laughs> Mr. Valdez, do you have anything that you want to plug before you go? No, I live a very normal life. <laughs> uh, I, I really don't. I, I have my job and my family. I don't need to plug into that. I'm cool there. Um, I don't have a SoundCloud, sadly. Got to work on that. Uh, I will say, it, it is baseball season. Um baseball season is here upon us uh, so I would like to if I can point anyone to anything go and listen to the Marlins Will Soar fight song from two years ago what? it is a fight song created by Scott Stapp formerly of Creed no uh, and he made a fight song for the Marlins who were garbage at that time and, and aren't they still still very much garbage but it is the most amazing like piece of like manufactured marketing for a team that I've ever listened to he pronounces baseball as baseball but he's not latin or anything and at one point during the song he just lists random plays that happen in a game in his like scott stabby voice so it's like double play triple play let's play like he just he's he, he clearly does not know anything about baseball and it's the best so those of you who want to get into the baseball season and enjoy it, I, I say start there and then go on to root for your respective regional teams. <laughs> so I'm actually going to plug something on behalf of Valdez here, which is a rare occurrence. I'm actually going to plug Valdez's brother, Oh, Aaron Valdez. Yeah, who... I guess I should do that. <laughs> I didn't think about it that way. Um, yeah, no, my, my brother plays professional basketball for, for the Mexican League. They actually just finished their season, so... A little bit of time until they get back on the hardcore bit of place for the Mexicali Souls. Please follow him on Twitter at... Air Valdez, all one word, and just when you follow him, at him, the Mon Men say hello. And just do not explain. No further context. I just want to see how many people are willing to do that to him. He's a great guy. He's got a great sense of humor. He will not be aggressive, but please follow him, support him, and he's just... He's honestly amazing at basketball. His videos are just always such a thrill to watch. And while yeah, we're on, don't follow me because I'm not giving you much of anything. And while we're on Twitter shoutouts, I just want to give a quick uh, hello to Alex, aka at Manbear, who reminded me when we were talking about the slap earlier of the classic scene in the first Pokemon movie where two Psyducks slap each other, and they both just they slap each other. They have the headache. It's perfect. <laughs> Aside from that, I don't have any personal shout-outs this week. I already gave you guys my Twitter, at Y underscore Blue. Darling, where can people find you? At home. <laughs> but my Twitter is at FutureHasBen, if you want to harass me there. All right. Well, Andrew Valdez, thank you so much for thank coming on for us. I am Yanata Blue. I've been Michael Darling. Thanks for being here.
A dyke and catch, a stolen 